Discord. Hey everyone, you're listening to Pistons and Prosecco, a podcast dedicated to showcasing awesome wedding vendors and providing a behind the scenes look at the wedding industry. I'm your host, Bryce Bjornsson, owner of Jack's 47 Mobile Bar. We create a better experience for your guests by serving delicious drinks on draft with style. Today we have Bethany Thames of Joy Unscripted. Bethany, thank you so much for joining me on Pistons and Prosecco. Awesome. Happy to be here. So I always like to start out with what your favorite drink is at the moment, you know? So we're in the heat of the summer here in Asheville. And um, if you don't drink alcohol, you can tell me what juice or seltzer you like. But um, (laughs) if you do enjoy an alcoholic beverage, love to hear what your favorite is at the moment. All right. Well, first we're going to go non-alcoholic. I'm from the deep south, so I will drink sweet tea all day, every day if it's in my fridge. I try not to buy it, so I won't. But um, alcohol-wise, heat of the summer, oh gosh. I, you know, I really love just a classic cold beer, depending if I'm just hanging out with friends or something. Um, but I do not mind a frozen daiquiri treat every now and then. So okay. we'll see. Do you, do you that changes in- every season. So <laughs> Do you make those in-house or do you have a favorite bar that you would... Uh, Ooh. get that out frozen i just make in house and just buy those silly bacardi mixers and stuff um at a bar i do love mountain madres um the spicy strawberry mm. drink that they have is probably my favorite hands down in town i love a little bit of spice in my Me like too. summer cocktails you know just like yeah. a little a little something i think my first experience having that was back in California. Um, I was actually waiting for my friend to be done with her farmer's market gig. And so I walk in this little bar, it's like 11 o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> and it's real dark. It's like not, you know, it's, 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 it was a strange experience. But uh, the guy, the bartender's name was Visa, and he was very flamboyant. And he's like, our special is a watermelon mojito margarita or whatever. Like, it was like habanero. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let's, let's try that. You know, went in yeah. Rome. And I'm in this dark bar at 11 o'clock and he makes me this like delicious, I think it was a watermelon habanero uh, margarita. And it was, yeah. yeah. I tried well, to, if you like that, go to Mountain Madre and try that strawberry one. Cause it is, it is I've definitely gotta, my favorite. I have got to go there and sorry, I hate to bring this up, but the sweet yeah. tea thing, I grew up, yeah. as I said, California. <laughs> and so when I came out to the South, I went to college in North Carolina and my first serving job ever and I think my one of my only serving jobs was at uh, Red Robin the mm-hmm. gourmet burger mm-hmm. franchise <laughs> and they had one of my responsibilities as a server was to make the sweet tea so I'm sitting there with not a pot it's only a few you know it's only a few gallons and I'm just dumping cups and cups of sugar yeah. oh it was I was like people actually drink this <laughs> yeah well well I mean, there, there are good and bad sweet teas. So I'm like grandma style sweet tea. There is a lot of sugar, but it's not like the, I don't know, fake sugar taste where you can tell that it's like pre-mixed, I guess. I don't know. Do you do half and half or do you like, do you mix it? I do a Chick-fil-A. I do half lemonade, half sweet tea. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I got to balance it out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, add more sugar and lemonade, but it's a different taste. Exactly. I don't know if you can tell, but I like sweets. <laughs> I can't tell from, from here. Yeah, um, I don't know why. <laughs> so Bethany, yeah. 
Joy Unscripted. This is your calligraphy business, right? Yes. Slash stationary. How would you describe it to people? If you were to, you know, if someone was like, what do you do? Do you have sure. your elevator pitch down yet? <laughs> oh, I think it changes. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll say stationary and design. Um, I am a little bit unique in that I started out and I am still a calligrapher. Um, so what that means is not, not all designers are calligraphers, not all calligraphers are designers. Um, I happen to do both. So what that means is you don't have to have calligraphy in all of the pieces that I make for somebody. Um, but if you like that kind of style or, you know, whether it's modern styles or old school styles like Spinsterian and copper plate, you know, I do those. Um, so anything that I make for people can have calligraphy in it. Um, on top of, I guess, stationary and design projects, um, I can just take on calligraphy orders. So um, address, envelope addressing, things like that. Um, people can just send me their envelopes and all I do is the calligraphy for addressing them. Um, so my service menu, I guess, is a little bit larger or broader maybe, not necessarily larger, um, because I can offer specialized calligraphy or the combination within stationery. Um, and I still do some day of signage. So seating charts, place cards, menus, pretty much anything if you need it written on, I can do it. On the day of on site, right? The bar um, menu, the, or yeah, not. Yeah, so it kind of depends. Yeah. Not necessarily on site. I do a lot of on site work with some giant chalkboards. So if people have seen my Instagram, then it's filled with Chestnut Ridge and Honeysuckle Hill have these gorgeous behind bar, huge chalkboards. Um, some people I don't think realize how big they are until they see like behind the scenes of me standing in front. I'm, granted, I'm only five feet tall, I'm short, but you know, me standing up by the chalkboard, it's above my head standing on the bar. So it's a really big chalkboard. Yeah. Um, so I do those on site for sure. We don't take that off and on the wall um, for me to do. So I do that one on site and it's kind of fun for people to see, you know, getting ready day of. Um, other than that, most things I do leading up to the wedding. So if I'm doing a seating chart for you, um, that would be done the week ahead of the wedding or a week or two, depending on timing. Um, and then I deliver that or pick it up or whatever the options may be. Um, so not a ton of on-site work necessarily. I've done a couple things where people requested that I do something on-site because they wanted to see it. Um, but most of the time it's done ahead of time and delivered besides those big chalkboards. Okay, awesome. So Bethany, the name is of your business is Joy Unscripted. And yeah. I'm sure everyone calls you Joy just like everyone calls me Jack, is that correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, but I'm okay with it. So <laughs> full disclosure, my middle name is joy. Um, oh. so I, you know, I, sometimes I correct people or people realize that my signature and my email says Bethany and I get emails apologizing for calling me joy. Totally fine. You can call me joy. Most likely if I hear it in public, I'm going to turn around and answer just because that is my middle name. Um, in case, but no, my name is Bethany. Um, joy unscripted kind of random. I don't really have a story other than, you know, joy is a happy emotion and kind of spontaneous. A lot of times, um, unscripted is kind of the opposite of what I do. Everybody sends me exactly what they want written, but, um, kind of free form, you know, I offer all kinds of different things. So joy unscripted kind of spontaneous and fun with a little structure also. Well, how did you get started in the business? What prompted your you know, your founding of. <laughs> um, 
A hundred percent honesty. It was kind of out of necessity. Um, so I moved, which sounds weird, but maybe we'll make a little bit of a sense. So I moved to Ash the Asheville area from Atlanta. Um, and at the time I was working for a startup company. I guess we should back up. I have zero art schooling whatsoever. Um, I actually have a biomedical engineering degree. Um, so nothing at all to do with what I do now. Um, but I went to school at Georgia Tech outside of Atlanta or in Atlanta um, and was working for a tech startup company essentially when I moved to Asheville um, and was still working for them just remotely at the time. And then like a lot of startups do, they ran out of money and my paycheck disappeared. Um, so I had done some lettering for my long-term boyfriend has three sisters and they, two of them have gotten married. So I did some work for them just because I had neat handwriting, but I didn't understand that, you know, hand lettering and calligraphy is so different than just your everyday writing. So I teach workshops, um, I guess, which is another thing we could talk about, but I do teach workshops every now and then. Um, and it's, it's fun to watch people realize that just because we've been writing every day from, you know, the age we were like five or whenever we learned to write in school, that calligraphy is much different. Um, it's not just putting pen on paper and connecting everything. If you learned cursive in school, I don't think they teach cursive anymore, but if you learned that when you were in school, then it was you put your pen down on the paper and you don't pick it up until you're done with the word. Um, and calligraphy is like the total opposite of that. So long story short, I, I did lettering for signs for his sister's weddings. And then kind of that spurred me to kind of do research about what it was. And I actually learned that it's like an art, like copper plate has so many rules about slant angles and lines and heights and X lines and all kinds of things that, you know, you don't really think about just seeing it. If you don't know anything about it, it's just a pretty form of writing. Um, so me and my engineering and love of school kind of went down a rabbit hole of learning all of the things I could possibly learn um, about it and was in a period where, you know, I had thankfully financial financial savings or I wasn't in a huge bind and I was like, you know, maybe I'll just start a business and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, I have an engineering degree. I can always go find a job. Um, and I have to say I was extremely lucky, blessed, all of those things with the timing of when this happened for me. Um, so I know you interviewed Candace of Honeysuckle Hill, Engaged, Mingle, all of the things that she does. Um, so around the time that I decided to give Joy Unscripted a shot, um, she started engaged and a mutual friend gave her my name because she was wanting to host a calligraphy workshop. Um, I guess the friend wanted to take a workshop and I said, I've never taught one, but I'm, you know, more than welcome to try. You know, I would love to do that kind of thing. And she was like, well, I have a friend who started this business. Maybe we can have it there. That friend was Candace and engaged. So I got introduced with Candace, got to host my first calligraphy workshop and engaged, which was, you know, the perfect setting for something like that. Um, and got plugged in with Candace, like right at the beginning of me starting this as an actual business. And she plugged me into the wedding industry, got in touch with um, Taylor Gregg of Chestnut Ridge through an actual engaged like open house party and got plugged in at that venue. So I just immediately got, you know, I had the wedding industry is a huge animal and I had no idea what went involved, like what was involved with weddings. I had no idea. Um, so getting plugged in with people who were 
one experienced and two had a lot of contacts already was a huge, huge blessing. So I kind of like got dumped in the middle of it and then got to play catch up on figuring out like how you run a business, how you run a wedding business, you know, whose responsibility is what. Um, so it was a huge, huge learning curve, but it's been awesome. It's been fun. So this was your first business that you've ever started? Yeah. 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 So, um, back in Atlanta, I'm also a CrossFit trainer. Um, so I still do that some part-time, obviously not now with, you mm-hmm. know, the fun COVID that we're dealing with. Everybody is. Um, but in Atlanta, I was also a CrossFit trainer. So for a while out of college, um, I thought I was going to go to veterinary school. Um, and so I was doing a lot of animal work. I actually moved to Virginia for a while to do, um, I worked with dairy farms and horses a lot. Um, thought I was going to go to vet school and was a CrossFit trainer on the side and then decided that I wasn't ready to go back to school um, and moved here and got plugged in here. So yeah, totally first business, first wedding experience whatsoever. First, you know, figuring out how to do calligraphy and how to make that like a, you know, a thing that you can live off of. Um, All of those things were all first and I'm still doing a lot of firsts, but yeah. It's going, it's going all right. <laughs> so how long ago did you start and scripted? Um, I guess official start date was April of 2016. Um, but a little over four years. Yeah. A little over four years, which seems crazy. Um, I didn't get plugged into wedding. I wasn't doing anything wedding related until later that year. So kind of the end of 2016, maybe my first couple one-off things. Um, there was a clothing company that was a popular thing for people to get into called LuLaRoe um, a while back. And I actually, the first several orders that I did for Joy Unscripted were making signs for people who were selling that clothing. They wanted sizes and names and all kinds of stuff, price lists. Um, so that was my first couple orders. Um, and then you know, the popular farmhouse signage that you see in stores everywhere now, that was kind of the beginning of that trend. So I did a lot of home decor kind of custom projects for people at the beginning. Um, and now it's all weddings. 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I also do things for fun or like by just special request, but I don't, I guess, necessarily market those things anymore. Um, but I have people or brides, couples, clients that I do their weddings for, and then we'll come back and ask for things, you know, for nurseries or, you know, gifts and things like that for people who are getting married. Um, and I'll do stuff for, you know, those people that I already have a relationship with. Um, but I don't market, <laughs> market that. Well, that's so cool that you get repeat business. Yeah. It's industry, fun. It's fun to see. That's a rarity in the wedding industry. Yeah. 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 We don't want repeats in, in the wedding <laughs> industry. <laughs> we want them to stay together. Exactly. And I think it's funny um, because in, I think it takes time in any business to get started, but in the wedding industry, especially because everyone plans their weddings a year or two out, you know, yeah, so you that's a, a business, huge, you know, and then realize like, I think I, my first year, I think I booked seven weddings, mm-hmm. you know, or I, I did seven weddings my first year. The next year I did 43. Like it was such a huge jump because I had been marketing that Mm -hmm. year that I started and people were booking me for a year, year Mm -hmm. and a half out or whatever. Um, Yeah. It's a huge, um, it's a huge learning curve because I I myself am not married. I hopefully will be in the near ish future. Um, But so I have learned a lot about what 
we do adult lot. Um, but you know, it's a huge, it's a huge thing. And I don't, I, I myself am only me and my business. Whereas, you know, some wedding people are, they have teams or they have event staff or whatever it may be. Um, so it's been an interesting experience to me because I also have to remember that I need days off or vacation or whatever. And when people are booking, you know, years in advance or whatever it may be, like it's hard to kind of have that mindset of remembering to block stuff off. Cause you're like, yeah, book, yeah, book. That's great. Yeah, of course I want to help you. And then you actually look at like the calendar for the next year and you're like, whoa, <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's, it's really fun to see how, like stationary gets booked super early and then day of signage, you know, that's kind of the last, not necessarily the very last thing, but as everything else has come together, they're like, okay, you know, what signs do we need? Do we want place cards? Are we assigning seats? Are we not assigning seats? So that's much later in the process. Um, so it's this weird mix for me of not taking on too many stationary clients that I have some room for day of yeah. or not taking on too much day of that I don't have time to to do the stationery that I love. So. Well, and you're pretty involved because you're dealing with their guest list and the seating yeah. and those relationships on the, at the table. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, I just, I, I think about all the different vendors involved in a wedding and how some have very much more intimate relationships with the couple slash client. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas I, you know, I, some I do, some I I've met for multiple tastings, others, I just show up and I never even meet the couple because, the father or the bride hired me. So right. um, I think it's interesting the different level of intimacy that vendors have with our clients. Yeah, and, I definitely feel like I know my stationary clients much more intimately than necessarily somebody who just, you know, hires me for a one-off welcome sign or whatever right. that may be. Um, you know, the stationary is the first glimpse that guests get of the wedding day. Um, so especially for people who are doing full on custom stationery, like you want it to match, you want it to be the atmosphere that they're going for, you know, the vibe or whatever the, whatever the trendy word is of the day for how you want your wedding to feel, you know, that needs to be reflected in your stationery all the way from, I say invitations, save the dates sort of, but most save the dates are engagement photos and stuff kind of, yeah. you know, announcing the engagement and then the stationery itself is really the first chance you get to kind of give that feel of your wedding day you know is it fun and playful is it you know old school and traditional and beautiful like formal kind of things and Classic, yeah you no know, yeah and I pay attention a lot more to stuff like that than I probably used to of how type and fonts and things like that can kind of give you emotions without even realizing that that's what they're doing. Um, so yeah, those people, I definitely have a much intimate seems a little too personal, but you know what I mean? Like a much deeper relationship with those people because it's a much longer process too. You know, we go through rounds of revisions before everything is finalized. So my invitation people typically book I would say a year plus out um, to kind of, hey, yeah, we're doing this. Here's when we'll get started. And then we go through however long it takes before that mail date. So do you usually meet with that couple in person or is it all over? Like, do you send them images and pictures online? How does that process work? Um, so it kind of depends. If they're local, then I am happy to meet with people um, and kind of, it's helpful for people who aren't I guess, familiar with the paper world because there's a lot of terminology just like in anything that is helpful. So 
printing styles is a huge one where there's flat printing, there's letterpress, there's foil printing, there's blind embossing, all kinds of stuff. So unless you've like had the opportunity to feel that paper or see what those things look like, you might not know that, oh, you really should have or would have liked to have spent the extra money for letterpress if you don't understand like what that feels like. Um, Because some of those printing processes are definitely more expensive than others. Um, But for some people, you know, they say, oh, I wish I had known that that's what this was called. Like I would have loved to have had a letterpress invitation or whatever it is. And they just aren't familiar with what that means. So I try throughout my process. um, I do have a pretty long, I guess, inquiry form that kind of lays out not everything, but most of the things that you can do with invitation suites and say, like, if you're unfamiliar with what any of this means, like, check what you think you want, and I'll walk you through everything that you've selected, what you didn't select to make sure that, like, you're not missing out on something that you really, really want or that you're attracted to just because you didn't know that's what it was. Um, So, yeah, it's, I try to meet with people when I can, um, almost before the process gets started, because, to me, you know, you could send me four pictures of things that you like stationary wise, but it could be that you're just attracted to the colors, not necessarily what's in the pictures. And what I'm looking at in pictures is more like, you know, what feel are you going for? Are you a style who's like a loose modern style or are you this formal by the rules kind of layout person? Um, And those things are more important to me. I actually don't like I don't know if that's okay. I don't like when people send me stationary examples as what they want because I want to be able to create something for them. And if they've sent me something that somebody has already done, like, are they looking at the colors? Are they looking at the paper type? Are they looking at the calligraphy style? Are they looking at the photo that was used or the artwork? Like there's so many things within a design suite that Mm. I would rather have the opportunity to meet the couple, talk with them, hear their engagement story. Like what do they do in their, their spare time? Like what's important to them as a couple so that we can kind of create an invitation suite that, you know, embodies that as opposed to, Oh, well we like this color paper, you know? Um, Yeah. Well, there's two things there. One of which I think as a creative, you don't want to feel like you're just a workhorse, you know, like being assigned a task. I think that's maybe one thing. And the other is that, there's all these different variables with what you do. And so when someone just sends you something, as you just said, they could be referring to the color, mm-hmm. the paper type, the typeface, whatever, and not really understand what they like about it. So if you right. gave them some, that exact thing, they'd be like, oh, that's not what I right. maybe want. Yeah, they were looking at it differently, you know? Exactly. And, and that took me a while, I guess me a while to understand too, because if I asked them a question, my terminology might be different than what theirs is. So making sure that we're on the same page if we're not sitting in front of each other. You know, email email is hard to interpret. Like there's inflection and emotion that is either read wrong or assumed. And we don't want any any of that kind of to come through in stationary. So, uh, you know, the easy. And on top of that, like, I think that as an artist or a creative, you know, it goes more also to if you sent me a picture that you love on Pinterest, like bless Pinterest, it's the, you know, a saint and the devil all at the same time for weddings. Um, 
if you send me a picture that you love off of Pinterest, that is somebody's creation. Like that's another artist's work. And I can't replicate that like in good conscience, you know, I can say, I, you know, what, tell me what you like about this. Like, what are you drawn to from it? And we can create something from it, but you can't send me a picture on Pinterest and me make that for you. You know, I can refer you to see stationers. There are a ton of us. There are a lot of us, but we're also, you know, there's some common themes that you see. And if it's a local ish person, I probably know who it is like in the Southeast even. Mm -hmm. So I can say, you know, this is, so-and-so's work like if you love this you should you should go get them to do this for you because they're the mastermind behind this they can make that for you this is my style this is what i do like i'm happy to create something for you with this as an inspiration but i can't copy another artist's work and i would hope that you know another stationary person would give me that benefit also of you know she made this i can't copy that you know we can we can grow from there but you know, what I do is custom. So. Well, do you feel like that's kind of, it, it would be a form of creative plagiarism, I guess? If yeah. To, yeah. That's a big thing. Um, yeah. So it's kind of copyright infringement. Um, even though, you know, copyright, most of the time we think of like writing college papers, like not stealing somebody else's, you know, technical words or whatever it may be. Um, no. But that's very true in the artist world. And it's not something that you really think about, especially, especially getting started. Um, you learn by doing right. So, and I did it. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure I am. Um, where you go through and you find something you like on Instagram or Pinterest and you try to recreate it. And as an artist, that's okay to learn from. That's not okay to profit from. So there's like a learning curve involved where even still to this day, like I have a, a friend who's a friend now I actually got to meet her who's an amazing amazing watercolor artist and I would take things that she was doing and try to do them and a couple of them I'm sure I posted on Instagram but it's one of those things where like this is Cammy's artwork I'm trying to practice I'm trying to get better not something that I'm like selling for profit and I think there's a fine line between like you know, what we can use from another suite versus what we can make our own. Um, and so that's why I really like people who, you know, they send me, even if it's like interior design photos that they love or like layouts to weddings, things like that are more helpful for me as a designer so that I don't get sent this picture of an, of a suite. And then that's all I can think of from that point forward is, Oh, they sent me this. That's what they want. You know, how can I make this? Um, so it kind of boxes you in as a creative, if they give you like one specific thing. Um, so I kind of try to ask general questions that I can get an idea of who people are and, you know, what they enjoy, what they love doing, even things that they don't like, you know, it could be like, they hate, I don't know, the color blue. And so like nothing, you know, those are just as important to me as, I don't know, actually receiving a picture of, which most people think is what you want. Like I'm a stationary, let's send her something that we like that's stationary. Um, so it's just kind of, I'm sure everybody's different, you know, um, but I would prefer not to get stationary examples just so that I kind of have this creative, like a blank slate to start from and we can build on it instead of giving me something that's like, partway pre-constructed and I have to figure out what we can use and not use. That's it. I didn't even think about that process and how, yeah, getting something similar to what your final product would be would actually throw you off mm -hmm. because yeah. 
you don't want to copy that. So I, I like right. the idea of sending, having someone send you maybe a picture of their, yeah, their dream house <laughs> or mm-hmm. something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And that cool. seems weird because it's not wedding yeah. related, but yeah. it's it's who they are, which is what we want to get out yes. in their stationery. Yeah, it's the design that they appreciate, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the, the aesthetics and the theme. Exactly. It um, makes a lot of sense. So you've been doing it for about five years. Um, Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's or four, four years. Going four. on five, I Going guess, five. right? No, I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> for a while, um, I mean, that's great. Congrats on, on that because Thanks. so many businesses start up and quickly fail. Um, yeah. But you're, you know, you're doing, you're doing something, right? <laughs> you're doing Hopefully. beautiful work and engaging with your clients, you know, in a honorable manner. Um, you know, a lot of couples come here to get married. They don't necessarily live here. You know, we do have some great local couples, but we're a big wedding destination. Uh, mm-hmm. Some say, you know, we're second behind Charleston. I'm like, I think that's just someone trying to sell me something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say that I'm like, uh, are you, do you have anything you'd like to sell me? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, it is a big wedding destination. We have tons of wedding venues popping up. I feel like every week there's a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Asheville is unique in the sense that we have mountains, we have weather, we have open air pavilions that are used as, you know, all season wedding venues. Mm-hmm. Um, we have steep gravel hills, oh, yes. <laughs> which I've had some, <laughs> some issues with, with my setup. Uh, for all the folks that are coming in from out of state, out of town, even from Raleigh, because Raleigh's a different beast from Asheville in regards to mm-hmm. terrain and, um, and other, you know, other aspects, what advice would you give to those couples? Because uh, I know you've done a lot of weddings, so you've seen different things, you know, either go wrong or go right, or mm-hmm. noticed, you know, I'm sure you've noticed details that are important that maybe they miss. Uh, you know, what, what kind of advice would you have for couples coming into Asheville looking to get married here? Oh, um, if you are from out of town, I would, one, I, you know, make sure you like Asheville, come visit it before you just decide to get married here. Um, the second would be to 100% get a wedding planner. Um, just somebody that's here in town that can, you know, I'm speaking from the ones that I've worked closely with. Um, it's just always great to have somebody in the area that if something happens or something needs to get paid on a certain day or picked up or whatever it may be that you have somebody here that's a contact that can, you know, it's not a wedding planner's job to go and run errands for you, but it's nice to have that person that if like an emergency came up that you can call them and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that we had to do this on this day. Can you go in my place? Like whatever the case may be, just having somebody that knows the area, knows the people here, knows like the do's and don'ts, you know, like, is there a huge festival that Asheville's hosting on the wedding, on the weekend that you're wanting to get married? Like we've had people who (laughs) were getting married downtown or wanted transportation to go downtown, but roads are blocked off because there's this huge music festival or whatever the case may be. So if, you know, if that happens, how you want somebody who's experienced in the area enough that they can help you reroute or help you problem solve or put out fires or whatever the case may be. And I feel like if you're trying to do that or somebody in your family is trying to do that and you're not even from here, you know, not saying it's impossible, but it's so much easier having somebody that kind of has the knowledge already. Um, Venue wise, you, there is 
I, there's probably every single type of venue that you can imagine in Asheville, whether it's inside an industrial, outside in a barn, inside and, you know, Southern living feel like I don't, there's, you know, there's something, there's something in Asheville for every type. Um, there's definitely, you know, names that pop up, up over and over and over again, but I would encourage people to, to not necessarily just go to the ones that you hear about all the time and actually explore some of the, not necessarily even smaller, but like lesser known. I don't, I don't know if that's the right words, but you know, ones that we don't hear about all the time because there are so many um, that, you know, it would be impossible to come to Asheville for just a weekend and visit every single wedding venue that's here. Like it's just not possible. So think about the things that are, the most important to you? Is it that you can have an outside ceremony? Is it that there's a rain plan? Because we do have all kinds of, even snow, we've had snow on wedding days. So, you know, what's important to you? Is it a mountain view? Is it the accessibility to downtown? Because quite frankly, there are, you know, venues in Asheville that say that Asheville venues, but they're like, two hours away from Asheville. (laughs) So is it that you want people to stay in downtown Asheville and have an easy time getting to your wedding? Like what, what drew you to Asheville in the first place? And then can your guests experience that while they're here for your wedding? Yeah, that's exactly what I tell people because I have a little Asheville venue finder on my website Mm -hmm. to offer as a service to people. And I think the questions are, do you want on-site lodging? how much mm-hmm. do you care about mountain views and how close do you want to be to town? You know, those are, those yeah. are kind of the major things. And then I talk about water and if you want farm animals or not, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. those things are, you know, those could be, people might want those. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think take into account that stuff because yeah, there are venues that are beautiful mountain views, but they're an hour away from Asheville. Right. And that's so, fine for some people. Yeah, totally. But if you have, you know, I don't, 60% of your guest list coming from a place that's never driven on mountain roads. Like, is that, is that feasible or, or is your, your wedding going to be delayed by an hour because nobody knows how to get there or like experience, do they need four wheel drive? Like these are things that, you know, a rainstorm or a snowstorm could really affect. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, you know, I, I go all over the place <laughs> and yeah. one of my venues or one of the venues I went to, not mine, <laughs> one of the things <laughs> I went to um, was a one-way gravel road, probably like, I want to say it was like a mile or two long. Like it was pretty, you, you weren't going 35, you were going like 15 miles an hour. Right. And at the end of the night, I'm packing up and I realize there's a school bus coming up, you know, to as shuttle people off away from right. the event. So so that that school bus came and went. I'm like, all right, cool. Now I can go. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming down the hill and right as I go, and I'm hauling my tap truck, right? My mobile bar right. truck. So I'm hauling it. I start to go down the gravel road and up comes this little van, this little passenger van. And I stop the truck, get out, and I'm like, hey bud, like you got to back up. He's like, I just backed. I just did that. I just backed up like a mile. He's like, there's no turnout for a mile. I'm like, well, I can't back up because I have a trailer. <laughs> 5,000 pounds of classic yeah. truck with kegs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, and it was just one of those things. Um, you know, not, not that that necessarily affects the guests, but no, but I think for- that if, that speaks to venues because if that's, if that's a case, then, you know, maybe that venue needs somebody at the bottom 
directing traffic of, okay, like, like construction workers do, you know, the slow and the stop signs, like it's okay to go this way. It's not okay to go this way. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, I fell into the wedding industry. Like a lot of people did. It's not like I, from the, I think when I was four, I wanted to be an astronaut. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't what I said I was going to (laughs) do. So I fell into it. I've learned a lot. I've, you know, made mistakes. I I'm still making mistakes, you know, I'm not perfect in this business, but I think that wedding venues as a whole, there are some really great ones. And usually the really great ones are the ones who have people there that know their venue, who know the vendors really well, who have a good relationship with the vendors. Um, because those are the people that, you know, something happens and they have an answer for it where there's a lot of venues of, I say a lot, there are some venues that I've heard where, you know, they're a brand new venue and I'm not saying don't start a venue, like by all means, if that's your dream, open a wedding venue, but know that there's a lot more to owning a wedding venue than just having a space that people can come to, you know, like, is there access? Is there power? Is there water? Can people, you know, are you going to have to bring in bathrooms to meet the capacity for the guests that you're wanting to host? You know, just having 10 acres in Asheville doesn't mean that you can host a 200 person wedding or whatever it may be. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. And I think that those people who go into it, understanding that, you know, okay, I have this great building, we should host weddings. Like there's so much more to it and so many moving pieces for, you know, especially, I would say, especially the kind of people that come to Asheville. um, We're people who, you know, we like what we like. Asheville is such a accepting city in some ways that like there are, you know, you can walk down the street and not see, a single person of the same style walking down the streets of Asheville. Like there's hipsters and, you know, I don't know, all kinds of people walking around, like people without shoes on, people with shoes on, people in formal dresses and high heels. Like everybody comes to the city and I think they're used to getting what they want. Like they come to Asheville because they can be who they are and they can do all of these outdoor things, but also dress up at night. Like we have both of those things. And if, you know, you're attracting clientele who's used to this high level of service and being able to get what they want. And then you're just this venue that's like, oh, we just unlock the doors. Like you handle everything else. That's not going to go over well, right? Like, especially wedding vendors around here, we're used to being able to have a point of contact at the venue or, you know, whether it be, Hey, I need to deliver signs. Like, what's your delivery window? And they're like, I, what do you mean? Like, uh, we don't have any of that. You just come during the wedding. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, room set is a certain time. Like, when do I need to have stuff set up by? When is the photographer starting? Like, there's all kinds of behind the scenes things that we as vendors deal with that, you know, the guests have no idea about. And that's what makes weddings go smoothly is that, you know, all of these vendors work so well together that, you know, if I'm making a sign for your beer truck, say that like, I have it ready for you in enough time that you can have it set up and everything else that you need to have set up on time so that me being late doesn't affect you, that doesn't affect the guests. And so there's just so many moving pieces that I think, you know, 
some people just think, oh, well, I'm going to do my job and that's all there is to it. But my job affects your job and your job affects somebody else's job. So being not only attentive to what I need in my business, but what my fellow vendors need from me in order to make their job smoother is, you know, just as important to me as what I'm actually doing for my client, whoever that may be. Exactly. And that's something that I mention a lot in these podcast interviews is that a wedding is such a unique event because you have so many different vendors coming together to put on one event, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, if you go to a restaurant, that restaurant kind of manages all the people that are creating that experience for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a wedding, you have the florist and the bar service and the calligrapher and the DJ. And, you know, it's like there's mm-hmm. all these people and they, they do have to synchronize in some mm-hmm. respect for that day to be successful. So um, the venue being kind of the hub for all that, right? Um, having it be completely bare bones doesn't really help facilitate a successful yeah. event. You know, there needs to be some, I mean, a lot of venues, the, the ones that are doing it right, obviously have managers. Um, mm-hmm. They have, they might have like an on-site staff that, they, that is regular and comes every week. Um, or at least they have relationships with staffing companies or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, other companies that can do that. So I, I think that's, yeah, that's an important thing to consider when you're looking for a venue in Asheville is, you know, what is their management team? Who are their, do they have a preferred vendors list or, mm-hmm. Uh, do they let you have anyone on site? You know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. an interesting um, game in that regard. And uh, one thing I've heard from a lot of new venue owners is like, they just didn't realize how much work it was. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I, I know, like I, you know, you, yeah. if you're not in the industry, you don't really get it. You're like, Oh, it's just a space. And it's like, no, it's an event with a multitude of different vendors that have to cooperate in order to, you know, produce a amazing event. So, uh, I think that's a good point. One, one vendor or one, uh, wedding venue owner I heard, um, I think they moved from doing weddings every day of the weekend to just the whole weekend. You got the the place for the mm-hmm. whole weekend. So that, yeah, that's, that's a whole other did. thing is if you offer more than one wedding in a weekend, like, are you prepared to have that turnover? Like that means yeah. Every rental item from the wedding before is out the door, is clean, is ready for pickup, ready to intake the next delivery. Like there's a lot that goes into that. You know, everything has to be cleaned. Everything has to be ready because, you know, I've been to venues where you walk in the day after a wedding and it, it looks like the wedding is still there. Like, and the, the new vendors are there ready to start setting up and it's not turned over yet. And that's a huge, that's a huge thing. You know, is it, it's not that it's not possible to do, but are you like, is that something you want to accommodate? Do you want to, you know, have these hard set cutoff times and clean up times and set up times, or do you want it to be, you know, Oh, well, we'll just clean it up over the weekend. You know, that that's a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Bethany, we talked a little bit about, you know, some of your challenges with the business, uh, how it looks to work with you, uh, kind of your ideal client, you know, and what they're, um, they're looking for. Let's talk a little bit about Asheville, just, you know, outside of the wedding industry. What's your um, favorite part about living here in Asheville? Oh, um, I think it's a good, I'm going to have a, maybe a couple parts to this. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good climate for me. I am not a cold weather person, but I like 
playing in the snow. And I feel like we get enough one or two big snowstorms where that's possible. Um, so it's fun still. Like I'm not, I think if I lived somewhere up North, I would like, I would learn to hate the snow because it's like there all the time and it's cold. I, I get cold so easily. Um, I would much rather be sweating head to toe every day than freezing. Um, and that's just me. So I think that there's a nice hot summer here, but it's not punch you in the face summer, like the middle of Atlanta summers are. Um, so I like that. And I also like that there's a lot of stuff to do here. So, um, I mentioned my long-term boyfriend, Andy, he grew up in Virginia. Um, so Mount, he grew up in gorgeous, gorgeous Shenandoah Valley area, um, is used to mountains, is used to snow, all of that kind of stuff. I grew up in Atlanta with, you know, the city of Atlanta. So skyscrapers and all kinds of stuff, but like a nightlife and restaurants and bars and all kinds of stuff that, you know, if you wanted to go do something, you could find something to do in Atlanta. So I'm this mix of, I love the country and I love being outside and having space, but I still like, I still like Atlanta. You know, I didn't move cause I hated it. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved to be here and to be with Andy. So you know, it's, it's a nice mix of, I can go within 30 or 45 minutes and be in the middle of nowhere seemingly, but I can come right back to downtown Asheville and still have, you know, a nice dinner out or go just for drinks with friends to, you know, catch up. There's a little bit of everything. So we're very outdoorsy. I love, yeah, my spicy strawberry, (laughs) Mountain Madre. (laughs) Um, yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Oh, so good. Now I need one. Um, You know, we're very outdoorsy. We like to, I have two dogs who thankfully have not barked during this. Maybe I just jinxed it. Um, (laughs) You know, we love to take them hiking. We go canoeing, we go camping, like all of those things that you can do here um, and feel like you're away without having to go very far, um, but still have the, you know, the convenience of a town. Um, Going from Atlanta to, I originally moved to Black Mountain um, and it was a big adjustment, you know, like if I needed an item, there wasn't a store that was open at 2 a.m. like there is in Atlanta where you can just run out and get something if you need it. So there was an adjustment. I mean, there's a lot of people in Asheville, but it is a slower, it is a slower pace, you know, it's a, it's kind of that country feel with having the perks of a big city nearby. Um, And I really like I really like that. You know, it's kind of the best of both worlds for, for me who is a city girl, but likes country. (laughs) I agree. The one thing that I noticed um, when I came here like five years ago, I moved here about three, but I came here five years ago because I just lived a few hours away. And uh, there was like this big artist that I wanted to see playing at the orange peel. And I'm like, that's sweet. It's like a small town, but you have these like really good performers coming Mm -hmm. through. You know, and after living here and getting to know a lot of folks around town, like I'll just be driving through West Asheville and I'll mm-hmm. see like two or three people I know. And I, mm-hmm. so I like that kind of small town uh, feel, but I like the mm-hmm. big town, big city amenities. Yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, we're kind of in the yeah. same boat in that regard. It's a, it's a great combo for that, mm-hmm. um, but it is small. There's not, <laughs> there's, there's not that many people actually live in Asheville. Live here. Yeah. It, yeah. It it's feels big, big because, yeah, it feels big because we have a huge amount of tourists coming through. Um, yeah. so it's a, yeah. And I, and as you said, you can get out and go see cows and mountains in 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or maybe your next door neighbor has them. Like who knows? <laughs> Depends on where you live. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a one photographer in town, uh, Maddie Kay, and mm-hmm. she has a rabbit, 
She has ducks. She has chickens. She has these little, these cute little sheep. Um, and her Instagram is almost like a virtual petting zoo. And I love yeah. it. I just like go on there and I'm like, yay. Like, this is so yes. Fun and there cute. are so, you know, it, there's so many, it's this weird mix of like huge mountain vacation rental homes, like right next door to like somebody's two bedroom house that they've owned for a hundred years. There's this yeah. like weird mixture of, which I kind of like because nothing you know, there's some neighborhoods that are popping up with like the cookie cutter houses, but for the most part, it's like this, like somebody picked up houses from multiple cities and just mixed them all up and dropped them in Asheville. And it's this weird mix of styles and sizes and streets and everything. So it's really fun. Yeah. It's not, it's not super homogenous. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a good amount of variety here. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Bethany, you've been doing it for a few years, Mm -hmm. going unscripted, what do you have planned for the future? You said right now it's only you, which I find like I need people to, to help me run my business to be at a certain level um, where I can make it, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, make a, a true living out of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you think you might expand to? Do you ever want to hire more people? Do you want to kind of keep building the brand or what do you, what, what's in store for you in the future? Yeah. Um, that's a fun question. Um, you know, I, I love what I do. It's, it's interesting to think about hiring people because, um, most of what I do is a style of artwork or a style of calligraphy. So I can't just go out and hire, you know, anybody and teach them how to do, I mean, I can teach them. I can teach workshops and I can teach everything, but what I, what I do now at this stage of my business took me years to get to. Like I could not do the level of artwork or the level of calligraphy that I'm doing now four years ago when I opened this business. I could have tried, but it wouldn't have been, you know, I still, some of the worst, best, I don't know, depending on how you look at it, I can flip back through my early calligraphy days and be like, how did anyone hire me? You know, and you, you, everybody starts somewhere, right? Like that's awesome that I can look back and think that I've grown that much, but it's hard at the same time to, you know, somebody who's, I'm not perfect by any means, but somebody who's practiced this skill enough to be at the level I am is either not interested in doing it for a job. Otherwise they would have started a business or they already have a business. So I think in terms of hiring, I can either, you know, there's a lot of stuff people, you know, I could do, I could hire out a graphic designer to help me, you know, do parts of the things that aren't necessarily calligraphy. Um, I could certainly hire somebody to do, you know, admin type, like a VA would, I'm sure make my life so much easier. So if you know any VAs, let me know. Um, but there's also things that, you know, I do have this technical side of me where if you had asked me, how long have I been doing this for? We were saying four or five years. So if you'd asked me six years ago, even if I thought that art and creativity was a career, I would have told you no. Like I'm a science math person from day one, right? My dad has a physics degree. My mom was an open heart ICU nurse. Like I come from this science world. Um, my grandmother was an oil painting. So maybe we're figuring out it was an oil painting. It was an oil painter. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I do have this artistic stuff that I just never, you know, that wasn't, that was a 
hobby to me. It wasn't this career choice. So I've, I mean, me, myself, I've really had to mindset switch of owning the fact that this is a viable career. You know, for a long time, I'd be like, oh, it's just the side business, you know, oh, I'm trying this. Oh yeah, I work in the wedding industry to being like, no, I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I am these things and like being okay with that. And sometimes I still, you know, around certain people, I still catch myself kind of like not hesitating, but wanting to make it be something else um, than what it really is. And that, that's a me thing. That's not an anybody, you know, that's a me and my mental (laughs) got to fix it kind of thing. So I think that future wise, just really accepting that, you know, art is all around us and we're willing to pay for, you know, people have art in their houses and you don't look at that picture on the wall and be like, Oh, well, you know, they must be some starving artist somewhere. Like you paid money for that. Like they're making a living by the things that we're doing. And I have to, you know, accept that myself so that I'm okay handing off some of the other things. Like, okay, if I consider myself the artist in Joy Unscripted, like what can I give other people that's not necessarily art related that they can do in order to help me um, grow the business or whatever it may be. Um, Future, I still dabble in all kinds of things, uh, whether that's good or bad. You know, they always tell you to like niche down or find your market or whatever it is. And I say I'm going to do that and I have all these plans and then somebody asks me to do something fun and I'm like, oh, that sounds great. Let's try that. So I'm not good at that. Um, Is this within the realm of your business? You're talking about totally separate business ventures. (laughs) I I mean, I run the social media for Engaged. Like, you know, that's something in my own business that I could hand off is doing social media, right? Somebody else could post pictures for me and stuff like that, but I do it for other people. So why would I give it up for myself, you know? So I still enjoy the, you know, the planning and the fun and the puzzles and putting everything together and how the behind the scenes, how it works. Um, So I do some social media work. I have my business. I design websites. That's not really, um, I guess advertised really, but you know, word of mouth, if people need those, I do that. I, you know, all kinds of weird stuff that doesn't necessarily, I, that's not weird. People need websites and I have a technical background, you know what I mean? Like it fits together, but if you hear joy Unscripted, that's not what you think of. So, um, I guess moving forward, you know, I have decisions to make about the things that I love, you know what I mean? Like I love designing stationery. Um, is it that I give up social media stuff because that was just like a way to, you know, like, why did I take that on? Was it because I needed money or because I loved doing it? Um, and you know, talking about money is a weird thing. People don't like to do it, but we're, we all have jobs because we need money. And those of us in the wedding industry are typically lucky in that we love what we do that also pays our bills. Um, but it is still a job. And at the end of the day, like I have to be real with myself about what's profitable versus what's not profitable. Or if there's something that I just love doing, that's not profitable. What is that, you know, allows me to do the things that I love where I can still make, you know, a living doing what I'm doing. So, um, I love designing stationery and I love doing the big chalkboards. So I have plans. I've said it before. And then well, really COVID happened and nothing was happening. So, um, I'll probably release some semi-custom suites. So that's going to be, um, kind of 
you know, three or four different options that are kind of pre-designed in certain styles where you can kind of plug in your information, um, but aren't necessarily at the price point of a full custom suite because that's, you know, full artwork, full all the stuff. You get to pick every single detail. Um, so Sydney custom suites are a great way to kind of have, you know, something semi-custom like I don't really know what else to say you know you can plug in your names you plug in your date you can tweak colors you can tweak kind all kinds of stuff you can pay extra if you want a different illustration in it but it's there for you to say like I love this let's go with this and move forward so that takes some design you know time like actual time off of my plate that I can do other things with while still tweaking and adjusting and having stationary options um, out there. I will probably over the next year to, I say year 2021 is a free for all at this point. I don't, I don't know what to think of 2021. 2021 will be, um, a year of survival for wedding vendors. Um, I'm sure you're in the same situation I am where pretty much every wedding of 2020 has been pushed to 2021 on top of the weddings that were already booked in 2021. Um, so everything I'm saying now may not apply to <laughs> what happens in 2021. Um, moving forward, I'll probably start to eliminate some of my day of offerings, um, signage-wise. Um, just, you know, I might make some pre-packaged kind of things where you get four signs of these this size. You can pick wood, you can pick acrylic, you can put anything you want on them, but like, this is your package. It's not like a mix of things here and there. Um, and that way I can kind of streamline my process of getting it ready. Um, but, but day of signage, there's a lot that goes into it that people don't think about, you know, am I delivering it? Do I have to be there? Do I have to, is there a wedding the day before your wedding that would prevent me from delivering things ahead of time? Um, are you coming to get it from me? Am I shipping it to you? Um, all kinds of things. So I think that moving forward, I'm saying this out loud, so I guess I have to stick with it, but I'll probably trend more towards stationary um, as my main focus and try to get, you know, a couple of really fun custom stationary projects. And then anybody that books stationary with me could have the free for all day of pieces because I love it when one, I love it for my business, of course, but two, for your own wedding. Like if I'm the one who did your stationery and I'm the one that does your place cards, everything is cohesive. It all matches. You know, it's the same calligraphy because I'm the one that did it. It's the same paper style because I'm the one that did it. You know, I know all of those things ahead of time and you don't have to then explain to somebody else or go do the research yourself on, well, what paper type do I want for my place cards? I can make those suggestions for you. Um, so in those senses, anybody that does stationery would still have the full, the full gamut of whatever day of signage they would want. Um, but then kind of limit my one-off. I don't know if that's the right terms. Yeah. Um, you know, just random inquiries that I get for day of signage kind of limit those to a certain number per I would say year, but busy season, because weddings can be, you know, we have a busy season, we have a short little break, and we have a busy season, or yep. the year of 2021 with no breaks, I don't know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so narrow things down without really narrowing them down, is that a fake answer? 
that no, that's great. I, no, I think <laughs> you brought up a lot of good points that, you know, make me think about my own business and other wedding vendors. Um, I think the first is that the semi-custom suites allow you to somewhat tier your pricing, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of having just like, yes or no, you can kind of say, hey, do you want full custom, semi, mm -hmm. or do you want this? Uh, which I think mm -hmm. is really important for uh, just business, you know, just business and sales in general. Because right. um, I, I, at first I had just one offering, you know, just me in the truck mm -hmm. and that's it. And then I now yeah. I have different ones with cocktails on tap and, you know, different custom tap handles or the standard, you know, there's different tiers to satisfy different groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, and now we have offerings just with, without the truck, a standalone mobile bar, right. That has mm -hmm. our vibe and our service. Um, yeah, so that's it's enough, like you know. finding the right combination of enough options that give people yeah. choices without making it so many options that you drive yourself crazy trying to do that. Cause I know that, you know, one of the hardest things that I do or the most, not necessarily hardest, the most time consuming things that I do is sending out proposals, which is just because everything I do is fully custom. So I get an inquiry and it takes me, you know, an hour or two hours to put together this proposal for how much something's even going to cost. And that's not, that's not what people expect. They expect that like, especially in a, you know, in a wedding industry, like the venue costs this much, it's going to cost X amount of per person for dinner or whatever. And obviously there's stuff you can add to it and stuff like that. But I think a big part of, you know, finding or being successful in a business is finding a process that works for you. That's the easiest way to streamline what you're doing. Not because I don't like putting together proposals, but you know, quite frankly, we don't get paid for putting proposals together, right? Like that's stuff that is time consuming on our end that, you know, if you, if you sent me an inquiry, you think that I just plug in some numbers and send it right back to you when really, you know, it's okay. Well, she said she liked this, but this is outside of her budget. What do I think she really wants? Like, which one should I prioritize in this proposal? Just do I think that she wants this kind of paper? You know, like there's a yeah. lot of moving pieces, especially to a stationary proposal where I'm dealing with, I, I try whenever possible to not print in house. So I have vendors that I work with for printing for, you know, all kinds of stuff. I have to make sure that stamps are in stock when I need them and things like that. So there's a lot of companies that I'm pulling information from in order to put together a quote. It's not like, you know, uh, okay. I own yeah. all of this stuff that I'm doing. Like I'm creating the design for you, but a lot of my job is, okay, this paper sources from this vendor, this printer can print on that paper that you want. Okay, but you want foil printing. That's a totally different printer. Am I doing the addresses or reprinting them? So like it's, we need to order this by this date because they have a three week lead time. I need your envelopes in by this date because I'm hand addressing them and it's the busy wedding season. So I need three weeks to complete them. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of moving pieces just to get a proposal out the door. Um, so in some ways, like you're saying, the tiered pricing for me would be helpful because semi-custom suites are something that wouldn't necessarily take yeah. so long on the front end to just get the information out the door. Um, yeah. And I spent a lot of time last year, or I guess at the beginning of this year, revamping my own website to kind of have some upfront questions answered because, mm -hmm. you know, 
like we talked about, people don't know what letterpress printing is, or people don't know what foil printing is. They've seen shiny gold. Right. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what so it is. So letterpress, <laughs> letterpress is beautiful and it's gorgeous, but it requires certain paper. It's like a physical indentation in the paper that gets covered with ink, right? So I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've felt it. People like it, but it's more expensive because a plate has to be created that's pressed into the paper and then run again. Yeah, see, there got you go. That's some invites right here. Exactly. Um, I don't think it's, it's not on these ones. Okay. So you would actually be able to feel it. It would be yeah. punched into the paper. Yeah. Um, so it takes longer and it costs more because you're having to run it through twice. It takes special machinery. Um, it's not something that's, I mean, letterpress printing is hand printed. Somebody is standing there running this paper through a press. Um, and it's gorgeous. I would love to own one maybe one day now that we have a house that can support it. Um, you know, it would be fun to play with. It would be fun to do, but it takes time. It takes all kinds of planning. Like other things that people don't think about is they say, okay, well, we want full color artwork, but we want a letterpress invitation. You can't do that. Every single time a color is on a letterpress paper, it's a new plate. So yeah, you can have multiple colors, but you're playing per plate that's getting run through. So typically you'll see letterpress invitations that are like one or two colors. Now that doesn't mean that like all of the pieces in your suite have to be letterpress. If somebody loves letterpress, but they don't have, you know, the budget to accommodate a hundred suites fully in letterpress. And I'll say, why don't we do an invitation in letterpress? You can do the rest in digital printing or whatever it may be, but it's me knowing my vendors or knowing my sources that can put together a foil piece here, a letterpress piece here, a digital, you know, who's the best at digital printing, who has bleed versus no bleed, like all kinds of stuff. Um, and part of, part of that's on me. Like I spend too much time on proposals, but we all want everything to be perfect, right? We want it to be, I don't want you to have questions or to be left wondering or to me to have one understanding and you to have something and then you pay me for something that is not what I'm going to end up producing because we weren't on the same page. So proposals in my, in what I do is some of the most important steps because it sets us up for how we're going to design down the road. Um, and that's not to say that we can't change things like you didn't, you know, you decided you wanted foil after the fact. So we can of course change things up, but we want to at least be on the right path from the beginning. And so I think making that process easier for my clients would then in turn make it easier for me because, you know, we're on the same page from the beginning and I'm not spending tons of time working on something that isn't what they want. Exactly. And that's going to, you know, mess up your workflow if you're taking that much time to do proposals. So if you can have more, a better template, that'll help yeah. you just be a happier yeah. So as well, you know, you know? I, I put that in my website. That was a really long answer for that, but, but I put that in my website to have this essentially like guide to what are these terminologies? Like what are the pieces? What are the most common pieces included in an invitation suite? What are the things that you can add on? So I have a PDF guide now on my website that kind of includes all of those things where if somebody fills out my form and it literally like nothing is checked off and they're like, I don't know what any of this means. I just send them, send them to that guide so that, you know, it's not this huge, you know, planning a wedding is a huge deal. You know, you're figuring out, what you can afford, what you want to afford, what you want to include. Like, do you want cocktails? Do you only want beer and wine? Do you want to bring in a specialty truck to serve you those cocktails? Like there's all kinds of things that go into it. And I think 
a big part of being a successful wedding vendor is the easier you can make your process for this person, the easier it is for them to want to work with you because, you know, I'm just one tiny piece of their wedding. You know, I, maybe I'm doing their stationery, maybe I'm doing their day, day of signage. You're one piece of their wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're making all of these decisions. So if I'm requiring them to fill out, you know, 17 different forms on my end to get them the information that I need, like that's not, that's not fun for them. That's not fun for me. So figuring out, like, like you said, you're offering multiple things now, but if somebody sends you an inquiry, that's like, we want beer, then you don't need to send them the information on all of the other things you offer. Right. So making sure that you're sending them the information that they're actually wanting for now, of course, you know, you can send, I also offer these things in case you need it, but you wouldn't necessarily send them 17 pages about all of those services that you already know they don't need. So finding a way to kind of make my behind the scenes process, one, give me the information that I need from them in the easiest possible way so that it's not, it's not a job for them. You know, it's fun for them to fill the forms out because they're getting to create something versus like, Oh my God, we have this 25 page survey to fill out so that we can get invitations made, you know? Mm. Um, Cause you want the whole process to be fun. It's their wedding day. You know, it's supposed to be like the best happiest day. And we hear stories of bridezillas and crazy mother-in-laws and all kinds of stuff. So anything we can do to, you know, make things as simple as possible on their end, I think goes a long way for the overall success. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, uh, I think the magic number is three, like three different kind of main options, you know, and then kind of Mm -hmm. adding on from there. Uh, But I also believe that, you know, establishing yourself as an authority Mm -hmm. in the space and trying to, what's the right word? um, Tell them what they want without telling them what they want. (laughs) like you know to kind of prescribe a solution right so you don't say oh here's all the options you say right hey here's what i have here's what i think is best for you based on our conversation exactly Um, and i mean they're coming to us because we're the professionals right like you know your sector of what you're doing and i know mine so if they came to me and that's i I'm doing the work behind the scenes so that they don't have to right like i talked about proposals taking a long time but that's because you know you told me things that you want and I don't want to give you four different options to choose from. You came to me because you've trusted me as a designer. So I'm going to take what you've given me and give you what I think is the best possible thing. Now, if we need to pare that down for budget or we need to add something to that, that's totally fine. But you know, you came to me because you wanted stationary and I'm supposed to be the stationary expert, right? Like giving you choices or asking you know, I don't typically send out emails saying, do you like this better? Or do you like this better? I send them one. And, you know, if there's something that they want to tweak in it, that's fine. But giving people options, as bad as it sounds like, isn't really what you want to do, right? Like you want to give them what you think is the best, and then we can make it adjustments from there. Um, And I'm sure that's the same for you. You know, you want to pair things up the best way, especially matching, you know, venue styles or whatever it may be. Like there are certain invitation styles that I wouldn't send or wouldn't recommend to a certain venue, right? Like they just don't, they don't match up. They picked the venue they did for a reason. Um, so all of those kinds of things come into play. Like a summer camp compared to a hotel wedding. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, the invitations would look totally different. You know, the style of lettering, the color pattern, the how many colors are included, like all of that goes into it, whether, you know, it's why people have jobs in marketing, right? Like they make brochures and they make commercials trying to attract a certain clientele and the colors, the voice, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the words that you use give people a certain feel. So if you want things to be fun and lively, there are easy things we can do to make that happen, you know, that aren't necessarily the words. It's the colors or the font style, you know, like people are familiar with like Comic Sans MS or Times New Roman font or Arial, like all of those things. I could send you the exact same words in all three of those different fonts and you would read them differently, right? Like Mm -hmm. you would be very serious and formal with Times New Roman because we're used to this being like a common letterhead paper or whatever it may be, where if I sent you something in all caps, you're going to like yell it to whoever you're reading it to, right? Like there's all of that comes into play. And I, I mean, that's true in your own marketing, not just stationary, but like Mm -hmm. how we choose to market ourselves is who we're attracting as clients. So making sure that that was something big I had to learn in the beginning is because what I necessarily thought was pretty wasn't what I wanted to be doing in my own work. So I had to remember to be posting the work that I wanted to be doing because if all I posted was welcome signs, all people are going to ask me for is welcome signs, right? So kind of try to tie in the styles and showcase what you can do and what you want to do so that the people reaching out to you are, are asking for those things. Yeah. I agree. You got to yeah, showcase what you like doing and that's who will come, right? Hopefully. <laughs> Bethany, thank you so much for being on the podcast, uh, Pistons and Prosecco. Uh, this was fun. I learned a lot about, I'm, I'm starting to learn more about calligraphy and invitations. So um, it's always good for me as a business owner in the wedding industry to be more well-rounded. So I appreciate your help with all that. Um, it was a joy to have you on here. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I see. I see. <laughs> thanks again, Bethany. Take care. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks for having me.